You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chris Scales. Hey, Mike. Gregory Hectus. Yo, yo, yo. Tony Groves. <laughs> Good evening, guys. And special guest, Mason Stiver. Hello. Hey, welcome. Thanks for coming. Thanks for All having right. me. Yeah. All right, Mason, we'll start with you. Uh, you just joined our team uh, here at Team Tifosi. Thank you for that. And uh, have already won a race with us, actually. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But let's get to know you a little bit first. Uh, let's start out with what's brought you to iRacing and how did you first hear about it? Uh, about a year ago, I'm uh, just watching NASCAR. I had uh, seen William Byron in the Xfinity Series, and they talked about him a lot. And then they talked about Dale Jr. and iRacing, so I decided to just look it up and dig on in. All right. Well, it's good to hear that NASCAR uh, got got you uh, onto the right track there. Um, and now, how often are you racing, and what series do you normally run? I try to race uh, at least uh, five times a week. Um, and I run uh, usually any of the NASCAR series, and I started dabbling in some dirt recently. Yep, I see that. Yeah, I was looking at your profile. Uh, you, you've you only been with us uh, not too long, a little over one year, actually, uh, on iRacing. Your overall winning percentage on oval, 2.89%, uh, 3.3 on road, actually. I just need to run some more road races, and that'll go down, I'm sure. <laughs> exactly, huh? Um, all right, so we just talked about you joined uh, Tifosi Racing, and so you've been running with us with, in the NIS series and whatnot. Uh, but uh, what about leagues? Uh, I know you, you ran the first event of the Tifosi Racing League. We'll talk about those uh, results later, but anything else? Uh, yeah, I'm running the Online Sim Racers Race. Um, it's a Super Speedway Dash series night in the trucks, so running that. And I also had ran the Quattro's iRacing series, but that's no longer uh, service. All right, your mic cutting out just a little bit there. Uh, let's jump to hardware, software. I mean, what do you got for wheels, pedals, and how many monitors, and then what kind of third-party software? Um, using the Thrustmaster TX uh, wheelbase with the Fanatec Club Sport V3 pedals um, i got i just bought a h pattern shifter i've been using and uh, i have one monitor currently it's a tv but i have three sitting behind it that i'm about to set up a triples after the podcast here awesome and All i right. uh, i use some racing apps for my third-party software yep that's a very popular one right now that's what i'm using too um, all right, cool. And then so far uh, in the year that you've been on iRacing, what is your most memorable iRacing moment? Uh, I was actually in the Quattro's iRacing League. I had some good battles with uh, with Dustin Cleveland, Dakota Reader, for just race wins, close stuff. Nice. So, uh, well, welcome to the team. Uh, we're happy to have you, and uh, welcome to the podcast. Now, you're also going to help with some content production, back office stuff with the 
podcast. So do appreciate you getting involved. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Well, let's jump into it. Let's talk about uh, iRacers Lounge sponsors a uh, the Old Bastard Race Old Bastards Racing League Monday Night ARCA Series, and we got the results of that uh, with a field of thirty three at Watkins Glen. Uh, Ed Larson Adams was the fastest qualifier and ended up the class of the field, winning the 40-lap caution-free race. Ted Quinzel, working his way up through the field, gained 17 positions to win the hard charger of the race award. Longtime Old Bastard Racing League member and road course ace Niels Clyde finished second with Chris Monroe third. Texas Joel Kilburn took the points lead this week. The series heads to the short track next Monday at South Boston. Uh, Chris, uh, Tony, tell us how you ran. <laughs> I ran terrible. Uh, finished, uh, what do they say here, 23rd? That sounds about right. Um, and I'm just, I'm not good at road courses. I'm I'm going to have to do a whole lot more practicing between now and Daytona, but I was a few seconds off uh, the the quicker guys. And so, I but I kept it on the track for the most part. I think I had a couple off tracks. Uh, probably got lapped a couple of times, but it was still fun and you know caution free because of course they were off. But still, um, just like always, super clean racing, a lot, of, a lot of fun. I mean, that's that's why I showed up to begin with. It was it was great practice. You're not gonna find any better than run around those guys. And yeah, I need all I can all I can get between now and Daytona. You know, sometimes an oval racer just has to admit that they're an oval racer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, and I totally am. But there's still there's you know driving those stock cars. There's nothing harder than driving the stock cars on old tracks. So if you can get that down a little bit, you put yourself in one of the the lower horsepower road cars, and hopefully do okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, if if you know Chris said he had like a you know not a very good race. I had an absolutely <laughs> terrible race. Um, yeah, I I started. 25th and i finished 26th and on the very first lap i my, my shifter comes off my off my perch right in my Ooh. hand so um right there like i was uh kind of put right to the back because i'm you know, trying to go slow and you know stay out of people's way as i you know put my shifter back on where it's supposed to be and then uh you know a little later on into the race um I had gotten in front of Chris and I was like, okay, I'm going to keep this spot. I got to, I got to finish in front of Chris. Um, and then I was just a little too hard coming out of a corner and hit the wall and lost all my steering, but we only had about two laps to go at that point there. So I ended up just parking it just so I wouldn't get in anyone else's way. So, um, yeah, I suck at road courses too, but it was it was a tremendous amount of fun and those i was really enjoying racing that car especially at that track um you kind of learn a lot as to um you know kind of how to get into the corners and and roll it through i've been finding a lot of getting a lot of education on on that on that part of it between the ovals and and the road course but great bunch of guys again and it was still a fun race all right. I think our takeaway here is I beat Tony. I think it was all there we you need go. to know from that you race. Won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah I won. He got winner. Me. <laughs> winner. All right. Way let's to jump. represent Team Canada. There you go. All right, let's jump to topics. I'll start off. Uh, B 
because this was uh, very uh, timely for me. Uh, on the forums, uh, Philip Morton, who happens to be what I think a hardware expert when it comes to computer stuff, uh, he posted up uh, about the i9 Intel 9700K new chip that they've announced, uh, the ninth generation. Uh, and he says here, quote, after doing a little bit more research, looks like Intel dropped the ball hard here. Temps are high across this new computer and seems to be related to the actual silicon die being 0.8 millimeter high instead of 0.2 millimeter high. Coupled with 0.5 millimeter of solder, it's baffling what's going on here. I guess after a decade of toothpaste, Intel forgot how to solder. And so I've seen various reports as well. Uh, there's another uh, YouTube site that we've uh, mentioned before, the guy Jay's Two Cents. Uh, he did a review of the Intel i9 asking, is it really worth it? Um, he notates that it costs 580 bucks. The uh, comparable uh, chip to that right now is the Ryzen 7 2700K. That's 310 bucks. Uh, you can get the i7 8700K for 325, and so at 580, and with the heat problems that have been mentioned in various places, I'm kind of like uh, everyone's like hold off on the i9. I run that 2700 Ryzen. That's what I have. Yeah, and that's a proven workhorse. It's been around so. Well, and it's. Really good for the streaming aspect that I've been using it for. And if you want to know more information, uh, Philip Morton on the forums has posted up another post that has all the different reviews from the various tech sites out there about this chip. Um, and he's got at least a dozen, well, actually maybe even two dozen sites here that have information about it. And so he's uh, very well informed, obviously. And so with that being said, um, why I said it was timely is I've made the decision finally I'm going to build a new computer. Um, I'm sick of running all the graphics down at the lowest setting, which is where they're at right now. Um, I had to actually turn, stop running my, my third-party apps, about most of them. I only run a couple now. Uh, but I had to turn off all the other ones just to get the thing to stop uh, to perform correctly. Um, and so I decided enough's enough. And I ordered all the stuff this weekend. I got the case today, and everything else comes tomorrow. What I decided on was the i7-8700K, which is the 8th generation Coffee Lake processor, uh, along with the 1080 Ti uh, graphics card. I also decided to skip the whole 2080 and 2080 Ti, uh, basically for price reasons, uh, but the 1080 Ti is a proven commodity, so... Went with 32 gig on the RAM, DD4, and then one of the new style hard drives, uh, a 500 gigabyte M2 is what it's called, and it's uh, very fast compared to a standard SSD. And so I'm very excited right now, obviously. Christmas come early for you, eh? Well, it's all on the old credit card, so I'll make some payments, and uh, three months later, four months later, it might be paid off. <laughs> yeah, so it's, like, so it's totally worth it, as much time as you put in on the sim. That's how I justify it anyway. I just, math. 
Why well, didn't? <laughs> how, much you're gonna how, sp- much? how much time you're going to spend on it over the next five or six years, and divide that by the hours, and you're, you know, it's a cheap hobby. Well, and that's the question of how much computer do I get? And I decided to go all out because I want it to last five, six years, just like my current one has. It's lasted six years, and so if I can get six years out of this build, it'll be worth it. So um, that's the plan. And so you guys can follow my build at Tifosi Racing on Facebook. I'm going to post pictures. I actually posted my purchase list so you can see the exact parts that I got. And you'll be able to follow from beginning to end. I'm going to post pictures of me putting the thing together, actually. And I'm going to take my time because, obviously, my current computer still works. So I'm in no hurry. So. What all I can right. suggest, Mike, is make sure you save all your settings and stuff that you got already on there. Well, that's the beauty about the computer still working. Uh, I'll be able to refer back to that. I was uh, So, yeah, I definitely have that to lean on. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, Chris, you're up next. New wheel. Yeah, the first post we have here is um, by see, Simon Hodgson in the forum. And it's a Precision Sim Engineering's new LM Pro wheel. Man, this thing is sharp. I said I don't do much road racing, but the way this thing is designed, if I was to build a wheel, I don't know that I could do any more perfect. I mean, just because of the way the buttons are placed and uh, the toggle switches, the dials, is just it's perfect. Um, some of the, uh, the features of this thing, um, five rotary encoders, 12 push buttons, two toggle switches, uh, 300 millimeter diameter, uh, ejection molded polyurethane grips, PSE snap action shifters, and fits any 50.8 millimeter quick release. Like I said, it's hard to, it's almost kind of hard to describe the button placement, but just think of basically all the push buttons right where you can hit them with your thumbs, a couple toggle switches on the inside of that, and then in the very middle, um, five rotary dials for your, you know, brake bias and stuff like that. As, as I said, perfect. Um, he got to the price. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's definitely a little pricey. I think it said uh, 1,500 euros. So that's probably $1,700 or so. $1,800, I think. That's just the wheel, not a base. Just the just wheel. Just the wheel. Yeah. So definitely pricey. But like I said, if <laughs> I guess if you do enough road racing, I said, just do that math, I guess. <laughs> and it, it's make a it nice worth looking it. wheel. I mean, I love yeah. the buttons. I mean, if you zoom in on the picture... And look at those buttons and the labels and the colors and all that. I mean, it's very nice. Yeah, and you notice how every button, so that you see how the the top left, it'll have like a little shield around it. The one next to it doesn't. The one next to that, it does, and it's a little bit bigger. The whole thing is designed to you never look down at it, and everything will be just right there. Like I said, it's, uh, it's perfect for a lot of money. It's perfect it that it's got all the dials for the things like the road aspect, because those are all the... Like if you have the um, the F1 car, the Le Mans car, or any of the Le Mans cars, like those those dials would come in real handy with all the the, uh, the changes that you need to make. Yeah, and more than you'd probably need. I mean, most of us would love to have just a couple of these on our wheels and have now, five of them in the center. Compare this, Greg, to yours. I mean, look at the price difference. I mean, let's look at that. Well. The thing is, is the the only thing I can see the advantage of the way that this one is done from the McLaren GT3 rim is, you know, it's got the individual dials that you can set 
for the things. Whereas I have to change on the McLaren, and you got to have you know you got to change the sub menu to go to it. So like I have to go one click on the knob, one click to to change all the button and points for that that point on the wheel. Where this has already got those presets kind of labeled on there. It's just just a different version of it. It's just it's using more of the there is no screen or anything on it, so they're using the space where the screen or something could be for the button placements or the dial placements there. Yeah, and price difference? Well, it's only $169 American right. for the McLaren. So. Yeah, Versus 1,500 pounds, right? A ton of money. Or euros. And the Fanatic one is, you know... You know, it's got it's got a proven track record to work with a bunch of bases too. All right. Well, Greg's kind of been out of it with his new job, so I'm going to give him the hardest topic. Uh, you're up next. <laughs> uh, tutorial on how to overclock your computer. Let's look at this because I have yet to <laughs> think about well, doing any of that. That's exactly what this is. It's a forum post on exactly what to do and how so to do So Michael Main has been uh, tells you on, or gives you a description on what you can do on it here. I've got it up on the screen, uh, him talking about it. But uh, you know, I haven't ever been interested in that aspect of overclocking any of the stuff because you know I've upgraded my computer to the point where iRacing doesn't does iRacing really need a lot of stuff overclocked? Like probably not, but um, for these are for some hardcore um, people that want to get more out of their PC, but also maybe bring up uh, a lower um, chip level to try right, and make it a little one. bit better. Right. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, I know, and it's the manual way to do it. I mean, the old-fashioned way, the manual way. And if I overclock, I'm going to be using software that comes with the motherboard that comes with the chip and that kind of thing where you just push a button and you just kind of watch. But he's actually got all these different settings. And when you read it, we're not going to read it out loud because it's just completely Greek to me. I mean, I have no idea what any of this stuff means. It's, yeah, there's, I know, uh, I know if I showed this to my dad, he'd understand it because my dad's the one who builds my computers usually. And he's, he loves this kind of stuff, but I, I could not tell you the same thing. I do not know what the heck that's going on there. All right. Well, if you guys want to know how to overclock, this is a great uh, no-nonsense guide. Uh, search uh, the forums for on delitting. Delitting. Okay, next up, uh, Mason, we're going to throw you to the fire. Why don't you do rig show off? Oh, boy. Well, looks like... Uh... Philip Janssen von Rensberg posted a video. Um, the missus was out over the weekend, and uh, he's got a rig up there. It's got ultra wide monitor, nice big one. Um, wow, nice. Made of the 8020. It's got some fans up there, nice blow you in the face while you're going. I don't know, this looks like a lot for me. What do you guys think? Do you guys notice once again we're looking at another rig that uses that same metal? What, what did you call it? Eighty twenty. Like that is like the most popular thing to build with, and I guess it's so versatile to use. 
Yeah, that's exactly it. That's what I'm looking at probably going with if I don't go the um, PVC route that Tony went. But yeah, it's just uh, metal channels, basically. And so you're basically, you can cut these things down or cut, get them pre-cut. And then those you have to get slots, them pre-cut. Yeah. And so you got to plan it. Yeah, but it makes it pretty adjustable because everything has all those um, bars that you see have rails or like slots that run down them. So everybody, every, all that stuff can be moved around. So you're oh, not, yeah, if you move stuff around and need to, or you buy a new accessory, I mean, it's just a matter of adding on a bar or two or, or you know, sliding this this way, sliding this that way. What do you think about that seat? Does it look comfortable? That's a true racing seat. That is a NASCAR style seat. Kind of like an old one, though. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing too. Like, I'm not going to go 100% realism on my seat. I want to go a little bit more towards comfort. Yeah, it doesn't even have a pad in it hardly. I'm going to say he's more. uh, He does have. If you look in the one picture there, he does have rims, a bunch of different rims. So he's got different disciplines he's using it for, plus the Oculus. Um, that's an interesting seat though. But the way it's sitting back, he would. It wouldn't be as uncomfortable as you'd think because you're 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 lean back a little bit with your your legs perched up towards the wheel a bit. I actually think when I um finally build something, I'm gonna go the the way Tony did with a car seat because I mean it's something you take it right out of the car with the bracket on it to build you know it has all the adjustability built into it, just a few bolts. So. I probably need to keep uh, once we get moved, keep my eyes open for like something cool. I, I love the design like of of the keyboard off to the left. It's got just a little straight arm that goes off to the left. And the keyboard's mounted directly to it. Um, same with the mouse on the far side. And then there's an iPad stand kind of above it that where uh, where he has an iPad for an extra monitor kind of thing. And it's a great setup. Yeah, I like that. And he's got the GoPro above his head too. I'm guessing he's left-handed if he's got the keyboard on that side. Because usually you put the keyboard on the side that you're natural with. Well, opposite the mouse hand, right? Yeah, I guess. Because I have my keyboard right above my mouse, the tray that I've built. Yeah, and his monitor is not only ultra-wide, but it's curved ultra-wide. And we were talking about last week, if you're going to do an ultra-wide, that... It's one big one like that is the best way to go. Now, I follow this guy. His name, his nickname is Bino, and that's what people call him, uh, Bino. He's from Australia, but he's a, a wheel expert, I would call him. Uh, we've, we've read a lot of his stuff in the past, and uh, he's just showing off his rig here. It is really nice. If you look closely at the one where the back of the monitor, you'll see a butt kicker down at the bottom, it looks like. Um, so he's got a lot of nice setup here, you know, with the fans and the VR and everything. Okay, let's keep moving. Tony, you're next. Uh, Instagram, what'd they do? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, well, they put up a video. Um, and, yeah, I don't even have this open. Look at me go. I'm doing great. Um, it's your first co- story. I know, but I was, uh, I'm a little off base here. Um, well, I'll jump in and help you then. Thanks. Uh, it's a, it's just <laughs> your normal iRacing, you know, video of cars going around the track. It's kind of interesting. Uh, this time they showed a pit stop 
And the pit crew was actually in a three-piece suit and tie and uh, looked pretty sharp. They had the, uh, you know, polished shoes and everything and the, you know, colored tie. Yeah, and they also had that that camera guy. Um, I wonder if it's the same one that kept knocking cars over on the uh, on the dirt rally series. Um, <laughs> but he he looked pretty guilty to me. Yeah. Uh, but it was a a neat mix of a GT cars rally and the new Camaro. Uh, and so, a pretty interesting video. Um, they uh, one uh, thing came out on the forums that was a response to the video was, uh, "Hey, when are we going to get some uh, animated pit crew for some of the other cars?" And uh, one of the staff members uh, put up that the IndyCar pit crew is coming up next, and so we got a a little confirmation of uh, something new coming: the IndyCar pit crew. That'll be interesting because then you got to hit between all four of them sitting on the pit road. Yeah, I was going to say, at least you get to see them now, because our pit crew, yeah, I turned them off, because who cares? I'm inside the car. At least you couldn't see them now in any cars. And they're only going to hit the stud once, because there's one stud, right? Yeah, they don't have much work to do. Easy. They need to simulate the person who shoots the water at the car, then, when you're pulling away at the fuel spot. All right, cool. All right, Chris, you're next. Internet speeds. Uh, yeah, next is a forum post by Aaron Stowe. He um, posted he um, pays too much for internet, basically. He has um, 250 megabit per second and was looking at downgrading to 60 megabit per second service and wanted to know if that was going to affect his iRacing at all. And the reply here by, uh, it was David Tucker. Yeah. Um, you actually, I accidentally closed out the podcast, but I just have his thing. I think it was round. I think they said they only use maybe one to two kilobits or one, one to 200 kilobits per second. And if one you max everything out, yeah. yeah, that's if you max everything out. Like that's a, if you, uh, your max cars and everything, you're looking at a megabit. So yeah, let's see. So most everybody's internet is going to be just fine as far as that's concerned. And, yeah. And, and the big thing was that I took away from it was. Um, they seriously optimize what they send around and transmit. Yeah, definitely. And they have to because, I mean, you're just one car, but they're having to keep track of a race with, you know, 30 or 40 cars and that are moving constantly, you know, a couple hundred miles an hour. But really, this has pretty much been the case for all um, online gaming. You really don't need, uh, you know, a whole lot of bandwidth. You just need, it needs to be stable. And so that's no latency. Exactly. Yeah. So why satellite can be a a problem? It's not because of the bandwidth. It's because of that that yeah that latency. But, yeah, uh, he also yeah. he also said you could play eye racing on a cell phone. In fact, you know if it would work graphically. Um, but when he started there at eye racing, they still supported fifty six kilobit dial up, and so that gives you some idea that you really don't need that internet. No, I think probably the only thing you would is probably for streaming, because usually if you uh, if those lower um, packages only have maybe a couple megabits per second upload, and so it you know causes problems streaming. But otherwise, yeah, you don't need much. You don't need to have you know pay a ton on your internet. If you know, unfortunately, there's plenty of people that live out in the middle of nowhere that still get screwed on their their internet. But 
Tony. For the low stuff, at least. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Teammate Tony. Man, if you go to your account, you can uh, scroll all the way to the bottom and check and see what kind of connection type you have set up to see if you're using all the, the max data that you can. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, right there in the iRacing options. That's on the front page, too, isn't it? Just, like, in your account. Yeah, you have to hit, click on account and scroll down. And th you really do need to set that to match what you have for internet. If you have a crappy internet, you need to put that drop down on the website to match what you have. Now, if you have good internet, like cable internet, you need to put it on the highest setting, which yeah, is what it, most people have. Yeah, I think it defaults lower too, because I think that's one thing I actually had to change up. That's not something that they like auto optimize, like the um, the graphic deal is. Yeah, that was yep. one thing. Whenever I moved down here this summer, I didn't change that. And in compiling this podcast, I did change that. Aha. So you already learned something from us. All right. Uh, satellite connections still are not supported. Why latency? Okay. There has to be communication both ways. Okay. And the way satellite internet works, it's mostly one way. <laughs> so uh, it doesn't really work. Okay. Who's next? Greg. Drive through penalties. Drive through penalties. So looks like somebody brought up that they wanted to talk about uh, would you, it was a poll. Would you like to see drive through penalties for uh, uh, incurs incursions? And uh, someone was asking to see if that would be something they could do. And I guess Tony Gardner chimed in on this uh, staff member uh, we don't have drive-through penalties uh, penalties working currently uh, project mainly for race control engineer it is near the top of our list once current projects are all wrapped up so it looks like they're looking into it but um, do you guys think that you know it'd be better to have you know the drive-through penalties for some of the stuff on the NIS series then we need that we could do instead of having to sit in the pit stall because sometimes those penalties get multiplied. Like I've no last, if I remember last time we were at Martinsville, some of those penalties got really out of hand, um, where you'd be stuck in the pit stall for 15, 30 seconds with some of the stuff too. I think on this they're talking more about um, having that for incidents, like instead of getting DQ'd, have once you hit a certain incident point, instead of get DQ'd, you'd have to uh, serve a drive through. Yeah, like every mm. 10 incidents, you do a drive-through or something like yeah. that. Yeah, okay, I see, that. Have, like, I see yeah, that part now. Yeah, just like a pit penalty, which I think I think it's a good idea because you know nobody wants that penalty. It's terrible. I mean, it'll screw up your whole race. As long as it's at the right level that it should be that matches a, what real racing might be. Now, what happens in real racing? I mean, you you have off courses and that results in a drive-through. I guess that's true. Yeah, could be. Well, if you cut the course and gain time, yes. But if you just go off, that doesn't really do anything. Like, say we were at, um, like when we did Lamar there, we had, I think, you know, you had a limit of 100x. But, you know, if you imagine if you just did 1x's for little chips off the thing and you got up to, um, you know, t times 10 there and you had to do a drive-through every time you got 10 of them, that's kind of, I mean, in certain areas it'll work, but some areas it might not. Yeah, I'm hoping they can um, play around with this stuff a lot more once they go to the new damage model. And, you know, I guess these, these polygons are supposed to be more accurate and hopefully have less 
That's the problem. You you have to have a certain amount of leeway because if you get those, you don't want guys getting kicked out of races because of Phantom 4Xs. You know, you get the 15 seconds of damage with the 4X. And, yeah, I think once they, they had those tightened down with, you know, an incident's really an incident. Maybe they can play with some of this stuff well, more. Well, I, I like this because it gets rid of the DQ. You get rid of the DQ limit. There's no more DQ limit. Okay, it's just if you get so many, you're going to start getting drive-throughs. That's the penalty, not you're completely out of the race. That means everyone keeps to get rate, you know, keep racing. They don't have to leave the race, and I like it because of that. Yeah, I do too. I think it'd be a good thing to have. Maybe, like I said, having a high higher um, limit. Like I think this guy recommends like an 18. I think that's good. Maybe not have it during for short tracks because it might just cause more wrecks with people trying to get down pit road because so many will be, people will be hitting the limit or close to it. All right. All right, uh, Mason, you're up next. The brand new Tafosi Racing League. Tell us about what happened. Yeah, on Tuesday night uh, we had the Tafosi Racing League run the Gen Six Cup cars at Charlotte. Uh, it was a night race. Uh, Michael Morley helped us out with the setup there, and uh, we had lots of pit strategy that did play out really well for me because I did win. All right, <laughs> you whooped everybody's ass. <laughs> Congrats on pit strategy. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna see how much you blow it up. Like, yeah, you just whooped everybody's <laughs> ass. It didn't. The strategy didn't matter. <laughs> it just destroyed everybody. It was, it was pretty impressive. Well, we had uh, five sets of tires. Going. Wow. Five sets of tires there, so I I took one on the uh, caution when everyone else didn't, so I got a huge advantage there, and then it, that caution never came out again. So, so what did you think about Mike's idea of limiting the tires, and did it work out to make an interesting race? It sounds like it did. Um, I like the idea of limiting the tires. Um, I think with more people in there, um, which could potentially cause more cautions, that would uh, make it work even better. Yeah, that's what we needed cautions. We just we didn't have any. We didn't um, have a lot of people for our first race, and so that strategy really didn't come in. But yeah, it was pretty. It was cool. I liked the idea. It was fun. I actually screwed up. I I ended up getting. I just spun right in the middle of the dog leg uh, on new tires. A couple laps into a restart, like just I have no clue. Just just, just lost. Came yeah, it just turned left, and not even in a place where it really should have. But um. My first stop, I had kind of already screwed myself over. Me and I, I can't remember. There was one other guy. I can't remember who it was. So, but uh, we came down pit road and forgot to uncheck the tires. I knew that I didn't want tires. I mean, we had uh, we had maybe five laps on them, but forgot to uncheck them and just completely threw away a set of tires. So yeah, it, it's a cool cool thing and adds a lot of strategy. All right, we need a bigger turnout. We need everybody who's listening to uh, get involved. It's Tuesday night. At what time? Room opens Eastern. up. Yeah, the, the race starts at 8.30. The room opens at 7.30. Eastern, okay. And so be there. Uh, you can contact Mike Morley or Greg Hectus or myself about how to get involved and join. Um, David Hall, a friend of the podcast, finished second. And Michael Schuer finished third. So uh, next week, Martinsville. Uh, good job, Morley, on getting it off the ground and getting this thing going. Uh, I told him it's like herding cats, and he's done a great job. And we have a small group of guys to start out with, but they're a, a group, good group of guys, so we have a nice place to start from. And David is uh, in leading the points there because I got a 2X from scraping the wall. 
Yeah. So there's a point penalty for that. Yeah, yep. you uh, lose points for incidents. Oh, wow. Nice. And uh, there's a, also a bonus for zero incidents, right? I think. I think that's how he must have got the lead. Yeah. All right, I'm going to take the next one. Uh, this is an announcement by NASCAR this week. It says, as part of NASCAR's effort to increase visibility of its eSport platforms, engage new fans, and further utilize iRacing as a driver development tool, NASCAR and iRacing announced that Jusen Hamilton will serve as a series director for both for both the NASCAR Peak Antifreeze iRacing series and the eNASCAR Ignite series beginning in 2019. Hamilton, who will continue to serve as a senior manager of racing operations at NASCAR, will expand upon his current responsibilities by combining his experience in real-world racing with the iRacing environment. This is big, guys. This is a huge, huge news. This is NASCAR actually has a guy on their payroll who's going to be the series director of two iRacing series. Yeah, that is awesome. It seems I, like I'm trying not to get too excited about this stuff because I think all of us want to see iRacing turn into a big esport. But I'm yeah, I'm trying to curb my enthusiasm, but it's. It's getting harder to do with stuff like this, and I don't know if you watch any of NBC, but it seems like every one of their shows has a, uh, you know, uh, Parker Cleveland doing an eye racing this and eye racing that. It's getting out there. Oh, NASCAR is really embracing it right now in in several ways. Uh, Jusan Hamilton has actually been an eye racing subscriber for over ten years since the beginning, and so he's been there the whole time. He knows what we're going through. Uh, I think bringing him involved in this capacity, maybe we can get, you know, more authentic to NASCAR. I'd love to see stages, NASCAR overtime. Why not? Let's get, let's get the whole product. I mean, we're 98% there. Let's do the other 2%. Maybe they'll help pump in some money to develop it then too. Like, you know, maybe help out iRacing a little bit more on that end. I a few trophies for some of the official stuff. Prizes. Yeah, I, I always thought they should have at least you know, a t-shirt or something in NIS. A lot of freaking weeks. All right, who's next? Tony, I think you're next. Yeah. Yeah, I got this one this time. I'm ready. Um, Monday, we've got a, looks like a fairly big uh, iRacing uh, maintenance period coming up. Um, they've announced that uh, they're going to be performing some crucial work on the U.S. race server and iRacing data center uh, relocation projects. So um, I guess they're, uh, all the infrastructure is going to be transitioned into the, the new data center. And uh, he said they've got a lot of it you know, already set up, so they're, they're hoping it's not going to take too long. They, they mentioned that if it all goes well, they anticipate... Um, only one additional major outage uh, to complete the move, um, and they're they're hoping it's only going to take about five hours. Um, but they said this work touches some of the core systems, and it may take some additional time um, to stabilize uh, the user experience. Um, but you will have the the test drive service um, available for the for the whole part of the downtime and um 
as always, you know, sessions in progress at the start of the maintenance will be terminated and, you know, no records of the events will be recorded, official or not. Yeah. So you've been warned. This is a big change, like you said. I mean, this is taking every piece of hardware that we race on and put it somewhere else physically, you know, or on completely different hardware. And so I, you know, I've been in the corporate world where there's data centers and there's multiple ones and these things are complicated guys. And if they're going to think they're going to get it done in five hours, I'm surprised. I hope it goes well. I would totally anticipate that it, it won't, that there'll be hiccups. They're going to be changing DNS, which affects all the DNS servers worldwide. Uh, because you're going to have to point those DNS servers to a different, you know, data center, basically. Uh, so changes on the website, uh, when it launches, and all kinds of different things have to happen for this to work. Yeah, yeah. Well, just like you said, I, I <laughs> you know there's going to be hiccups. There usually is. Um, so, I don't know. I guess just, just be patient and... Um, you got a lot of window shopping you can do with the with the test drive that they do have available. So, um, you know, go hop into a car that you don't own, maybe on a track that you don't own, and um, start writing down the Christmas list. That's what uh, you like to do there, don't you, Mike? Yeah, jump in the Lotus 49 or the Avalon Williams car and go jump it off at Bathurst or somewhere, and yeah. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, Chris, you're up next. F1 uh, is, feels threatened here. Oh, yeah. Um, next is an article from motorsport.com um, by Scott Mitchell. Uh, yeah, titled Video Games as a Competitor of F1. It says Aravabane. I'm sure this guy, this guy is a huge deal in F1. And yeah, he's I, I the Ferrari boss. Yeah, and uh, like I said, Mario Arabane, and I'm yeah, I'm sorry that I don't um follow follow Formula One, but my main takeaway from this article is that um you know racing period, whether it's you know us at NASCAR for F1, the ratings haven't been great, and they're trying to turn that around. Um, but this guy is is pointing at esports as why you know some of the they're losing some interest and in some of the, the younger fans are looking that direction instead of at f1 and well if you chris i don't ahead. know if you guys know this uh his stand on it is the only team that's not re represented in the f1 esports is ferrari too the there's 18 teams instead of 20 so whose fault is that that's yeah. that's the boss of them because yeah. Well, that's probably manufacturer with it, yeah. So you know, there. That's hit one of he's he does not like this F1 esports series. But I don't know. If, have you guys watched any of their the races? I watched one the the first one. They're pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I have seen a little bit of the racing this year, and they actually have been having a really good, really good racing this year. Uh, pretty, there's pretty much no place you could look in motorsports where the racing hasn't been well. IndyCar. <laughs> but other than that, man, it's been a good year. And so to see everybody still kind of struggling with the racing we've had, even NASCAR, I mean, other than a couple of stinkers, it's obvious, you know, you got to do something to get the attention of the younger audience. And he's, I think he recognizes that 
a lot of them are looking to esports instead of the real thing. Uh, he, he's really on to something, I think. I mean, there's so many, so many eyeballs that watch motorsports and so many fans, and you got to know that the esport is cannibalizing uh, traditional motorsports. Uh, those fans, uh, they might start watching esports and just forget about F1. And you know what? I might be one of those people. You know, I used to watch F1 back in the day, but I don't anymore. Um, I follow it, you know, on news and Twitter and stuff like that, but I don't actually watch the races like I used to. And uh, but I do watch esports sometimes, and so maybe I'm part of that trend. Who knows? Well, and it's the only sport that translates over into that. You can't go and, you know, I mean, people do watch people play like NHL games or football games, you know, video games, but it's not the same type of experience as the competitive sports of racing like you can't create your own you can create your own player but it's not really uh put in a, a a simulation point where it feels like it's authentic as much as the racing part does yeah i know what you're trying to say like you can there's a chance you could race dale jr on here a professional race car driver but you're not going to be able to play football against peyton manning you know you're not going to be quarterback against peyton manning right it's like literally a one-to-one translation as an eSport is just it's it's just perfect all right oh uh, Greg you're next Scott Bloomquist sorry I got to bring that link up here Scott Bloomquist is still loading sorry um, so Scott Bloomquist uh, Hall of Fame driver is getting some laps in and the wr1 sim chassis at, uh, on iRacing um, don't know. Okay, so he's just looks like he just posted on his Facebook page that he was just testing um, at his home uh, on the weekend. Um, it's a little setup there. He's got looks like he's got a Fanatic wheel. Uh, I don't even know who. I've never heard this guy of this guy before. Oh man, really? really? He's I a, mean, he's a Hall of Fame driver. I mean, well, I've, yeah. I've, I get I that, but I've never. I don't recognize the name. But is oh, this Paul Tracy? A... Paul Tracy. <laughs> yeah. I was surprised I don't see like his cocaine sitting next to him. Like, I'm sorry, Scott Bloomquist. <laughs> uh, see, he, he's literally he's on some weight. Yeah. So yeah, I think he's a uh, yeah, super late model. Just uh, super late model superstar. Like, uh, just one of the best there is. Unfortunately, I can't stand the guy. So I don't really yeah. like the fact that he's fast. But yeah, he's one of the best. Arguably, arguably the best, probably. Yeah, that's bottom. probably why I haven't heard of him because I'm not huge into the dirt aspect of it. But I'm, I'm surprised to see him on a sim though. Like I think this uh, this shows that if you can get him on here, um, you can get anybody get, on anybody because yeah. yeah, I can't. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that's going. He's the kind of guy to take that laptop off the top of his race car and chuck it. Yeah, he probably has. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that engineering crap here. Yeah, yeah, I bet he probably has. Now, so, yeah, if you click, now, if you click on WR1 in the on the page there, you'll go onto their page and you can see the rig that uh, he has, which is kind of why I wanted to look at this. The rig is called WR1 Sim Chassis, and they have a Facebook page, and you can check it out. Uh, it's not a bad-looking rig, you know. It's all metal, and that's kind of a unique thing, and it's not like the 8020 where it's a thick tubular, or not tubular, but square, this is like thin metal, like a sheet metal kind of look. 
Yeah, and it said this is at his um, brother's racing compound, too. So this isn't even a home rig, so who knows? Maybe he's got an even bigger rig at home. Right next to the pile coat. You see yeah, how but... sideways he is in that video? Or in that, in that picture? <laughs> gotta be, man. Yeah. That, uh, the dirt, like, it's a small footprint that those rigs take up. That's what it looks like they're designed for, is, like, small areas. Yeah, yeah, it does. That'd be perfect for, you know, it doesn't have a lot of space. You're right. It takes up, like, no room. Yeah, small footprint. If you want a stationary cockpit, I really like the look of this. And uh, I love that it's got that stainless steel kind of metal look to it. If you click on, when you go to that page, Mike, if you look at that one in the top left corner there, you can see that the way they have it designed, you can fit your your uh, CPU in the front of it. In front of the pedals, right. Yep, it's a really small footprint uh, kind of rig. So, uh, yeah, if you're interested, check that out. All right, Mason, Stiver, you're up next. All right, uh, we got a tweet from KPR Motorsports. Uh, it says, words can't describe this past weekend at Kansas Speedway. This may have been the first time our team met in person, but you wouldn't have been able to tell with the amounts of laughs and good times. Thank you, iRacing, for bringing obsessed race fans together. So I actually raced with these guys uh, in the Quattro's iRacing League, and uh, it's Dustin Kleba, Tyson Palmquist, and Dakota Reader. And uh, they're all good, hard racers, and looks like they got together at Kansas for a fun weekend. That's pretty cool. So they're an iRacing team or league, I guess they're a team, team and they yeah. got to, yeah they got together and met in person. That's pretty cool. I think we should do that. That'd be awesome. You guys got to come to me though. So would we go to Canada or would we go to the U.S.? Yeah, so we might have to go to Canada. I think we're outnumbered at this point. Are you guys allowed to come across the border? Uh, not. Oh yeah. Plus you guys, uh, you guys had stuff legalized. Yeah, maybe Recently, we'll so. go to Canada. Yeah, better party up there. Okay, well, that does sound like fun. It's always cool to see iRacing team members uh, meet up in person for the first time, and you can see on their face they're they're happy to be together, and so it looks like fun, and that's kind of cool, Mason. You actually know who these guys are. Yeah, Dustin kicked my butt in the league. I don't know, Tony, were you happy to see me when we met up? <laughs> well, you were a lot Crickets. shorter than, uh, <laughs> than you are on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, it's it is neat though, right? Because all all we ever all we, all we ever really do is just hear each other's voices. So to be able to put a face to the uh, to the voice and um, yeah, that, it is a neat experience. It's, it's it's kind of a cool thing about this whole this whole internet fad that's happening. Oh God! All right, let's keep moving, Tony. You're up next. Uh, another Dale Junior spotting. Yeah, yeah, this is kind of cool. Um, uh, iRacing uh, posted a, a picture on Twitter, um, you know, just kind of saying who's the lead singer, um, and it's a it's a picture of Dale Jr. and, and Steve Myers. Um, uh, unfortunately, nobody showed up to see them, but they're they're facing an empty crowd, and uh, you guys can rib me right now, but I've got no no idea where they're at. Um, but it's a stage circuit of, of the Americas. Well, oh, see, the Austin, you, Texas. Yeah. Yeah. I ain't never going to know that. So, um, yeah, that's, it's kind of neat though. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty funny. It gives you something to talk about and chuckle at. Yeah. So uh, again, the, 
the legend is is you can go to every track in iRacing and somewhere on that track property you will find a picture of Dale Jr. You'll see Dale Jr. And so if you go to all the Austin, Texas uh, circuit of the America and find the concert venue, he's standing on stage with none other than Steve Myers from iRacing. So uh, pretty cool. So is they're it? the Where's Waldo of iRacing? Yeah, I think, isn't Steve Myers in every at every track too? Yeah, I, I think maybe it's both of them. But yeah. yeah, they're not always <laughs> together. Like you can sometimes... Yeah, they'll be separated, usually, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, see, that's interesting because I don't know if I ever knew that before. Yeah, I've known so it and never looked around yet. You go looking and you'll spend two hours wasting time trying to find it. <laughs> oh, how cool is that? Ah, I like that. That's that's neat. Yeah, I think at the Lama track, he was like standing at the chicken place, or I don't know. Is it, right. the, is it the same pose, or does he got like a you know a bunch of different poses? I'm really curious now. I might have to go spend two hours looking at each of these tracks. Uh, we'll have to search it in the forums. It's definitely been documented in the past. So, uh, all right, let's keep moving. Chris, uh, time Majeski update. Yeah. So this past week at Kansas, he finished eighth, <laughs> which finally is... got a finish. Finally, the 60 car finished, period. I thought that thing was cursed. And I've caught most of the Xfinity races this year. And like I said, yeah, the 60 car just, oh, God, just can't finish the race. And not usually their own doing. Like, they're just always, they've always been in the wrong place at the wrong time. Like, Tony Groves uh, last month at IIS. But yeah, finally, in eighth, great finish. Well, good top 10 for Ty. And, uh, you know, we're getting close to the end of the year. And I don't know that he has plans for next year yet. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks for those guys. I think they have some in him. I mean, he's probably the best uh, of the team as far as the guys having that car, but they have some good talent. It just seems like they well, can't. They just can't. Well, I mean. <laughs> Chase, Chase Briscoe was the other driver, but he won in a different race car, remember? Yeah, but it doesn't seem to matter. I mean, they could, they could put anybody in that car. They could put Kyle Busch in that car, and he'd have problems because they just can't. They'll run fine. They just can't seem to miss the wrecks, and that, that sucks when you're a new driver because you want to see. I mean, he's got to have you know, some finishes if he wants to get a ride. Well, is the 60 car, isn't that 60 car the car that uh, Ricky Stenhouse won the championship with? Yep. What, what, yes, and that, but his first year, Ricky tore up that car a lot. Yeah, he almost got parked, I remember. Yeah, yeah I think the thing's cursed. It's a fast car, had some guys in it, just can't hardly finish, but finally, he gets an eighth, hopefully... I don't know if he's, uh, I think that's it for the year for him. I'm not 100% sure. I don't think he's in that car again. I might be yeah, wrong. He'll be, he'll be in that car at Texas. Oh, is he? Well, good. Yeah, hopefully, man, like I said, these young guys, they have to have some finishes, and hopefully, and so he's had the speed. He had right, a good showing. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, uh, another update on Scott Kulovac, uh the leader of KMA Racing League. I remember he had open-heart surgery. Uh, he needs some money. He has a GoFundMe. Well, uh, KMA Racing has announced a Scott Kulovec benefit race they're going to host up on Saturday, December 1st at 7 p.m. Central at Talladega. And uh, I got invited to this race. I hope to be off work that day to be able to attend, but I'm not sure yet. Uh, but they are taking a $10 entry fee that you pay to Donald Stewart on his PayPal account, uh, which is low 
L-O-CountryArcher at Yahoo.com. But anyway, get over to the KMA uh, Facebook page, and you can learn more about it. Uh, But they are going to do payouts, $60 to the winner, uh, $50 to second, uh, $40 to third, and so on. And so uh, check it out if you want to help out Scott. Uh, We sure, sure hope he's getting better. All right, Greg, hardware, software. All right, so... We got the GS105 high definition high definition monitor. Motion simulator, actually. Motion simulator. Sorry, um, I haven't seen this yet. I'm just this bringing it up here. This is an old product. This is eight years old or something. But I thought I would bring it up again because I don't know if you guys have seen this. This thing is crazy. Just play the video. I'm playing the video here and. <laughs> to be honest, when I first looked at it, it kind of reminds me of a child's car seat. It's big. It's bulky. So let's describe what we're seeing here. Uh, basically, it's a kind of looks like a recliner leather chair, but it's kind of yeah. bulky. And it moves. The back of it, where you lay your back against, moves left to right, back and forth, kind of, you know, that kind of thing, and kind of shakes based on, you know, the rumble strips and the bumps in the road and all that. Do you have to wear a seatbelt for that? He's wearing a seatbelt. It's a full harness. Yeah. Which is probably good because it kind of holds you to the seat so you feel it better, you know? But, uh, yeah, this thing is uh, $1,574. I wonder how. Uh, I wonder how it's evolved. It, obviously, he hasn't evolved it much over the years because obviously most of these videos are done on the old simulators too. Yeah, except for is, uh, Like I said, this is an old product that's been around. It, it hasn't been updated, but uh, you know there are people on the forums that actually have uh, some of these, and that's how I ran across this again. But it's uh, the website is Gecko Systems. Dot com G-E-K-O systems, plural, dot com. So check it out, guys. It's called the GS-105. And uh, it's kind of like the, the motion seat that we've been talking about from Sim Experience. That's going to be quite a bit more money. Uh, but this is like an older version, I would say, of it. I don't know if I would like just the seat moving and not the whole Sim. Well, that seat I mentioned... The flaps move, the seat doesn't. There's like flaps, hydraulic flaps that push against your back and thighs. That's that new seat. This old GS105, the whole seat moves. The whole thing. I kind of I kind of like this. I mean, um, th- this kind of would fit the market for the uh, people that want motion but don't have any, any room or spot for a full-out rig. Cause right. You could just pull this right up to your desk, and you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you're going to find anything any cheaper, not for motion. I said, and it doesn't take up any space. It's it's fine. All right, Mason, uh, big news here. I don't don't think I'm uh, surprised, though. Yeah, it looks like uh, Brendan, I believe it's Earripe, the former CEO of Oculus that was bought out by Facebook, uh, he's leaving Facebook. Uh, after the cancellation of the Oculus Rift 2. Um, you want to take it from here? Well, I mean, the how old is the Oculus Rift now, guys? I mean, 
it's ancient in well, I computer think, years. And I think he was looking, he's wanting the next badass headset, and that's what he was trying to bring out. And I think the direction they're going, and the direction I think makes a lot more sense, is um, more like the Amazon Go, um, smaller, less capable wireless headset. And then, you know, get people hooked on VR and then go back to making another, you know, badass computer headset. Because I, I think that's perfect. I think I, I think these cheaper headsets, like the one that they're coming out with and, you know, the Amazon Go. Is that what it's called? Uh, Ocu- or what's the Oculus Go. Yeah. The, I think those things are just, um, they'll get people hooked. It'll be those, you know, you'll grab it, people will pick it up and somebody will say, here, man, check this out. And... You know, that'll happen. It's cheap enough, you know, at two hundred bucks, and they're only gonna get cheaper after that. You can probably find some good deals at Christmas time. Maybe one hundred fifty bucks people get for Christmas, and then once you get people hooked on VR, that's when you sell them. You know, the high dollar um, headset that you want for the the better experiences, and definitely ch- you got to get cheaper than that new Vive too. That's ridiculous. I think. I mean, like, how by the time you get the wireless adapter. You're probably looking. I don't know. It's probably between thirteen hundred and fifteen hundred dollars. Nobody's gonna spend that. Well, ever since the Oculus came out, uh, we've been waiting for this next version. You know, the you know less of the shutter effect, more resolution. You know, more pixel per inch, and get rid of that you know shutter door effect, and all these different things that people were waiting for in the next version of the Oculus. And then when Facebook bought them. We were like, wow, now they have the funding behind them to actually pull it off. And then now here we are almost five or six years later, and they pulled the plug on the whole the whole deal. So, Yeah, yeah and like I said, now, just for that reason, because they wanted to use, to use for Facebook, and you can do that for a, in a $200 headset. But they got another one that they're, they're coming out with, or it just came out or something. Isn't it called the Quest? And it's a little more, it, it's, it's kind of the in-between. Yes, uh, yes. The, the Rift and the Go. Yep. And, you know, a bit more portable, a little more high-powered, better resolution. Um, and I was kind of looking at it, and I was like, I, I'm thinking that is kind of the answer. You know, you don't have your cables and cords, and that will evolve over time to, to become better than what it is now. But it um, it's more of a, you know, a, a proper VR experience than what you could be offered with the Go, right? Yeah. Well, we'll have to see if that's suitable for iRacing or not. You know, I'm not sure it is, but we'll see next spring when it comes out. I don't know. I think this is bad news overall for the Oculus uh, people who are wanting regular product updates. Uh, This guy leaving that company is not a good sign for it, you know. But maybe he'll go off and start another company and do what he wants to do, you know. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, I forget who's next. Uh, Chris, I think you're next. Abutos. Uh, I actually didn't have this have this one pulled up, but it's but, it's just a they're having a clearance sale basically um, through Friday. So hopefully you're hearing this podcast <laughs> before <laughs> live or close to it. Yeah, because they have some you know pretty awesome deals 40%. on here. Yeah, forty percent off a lot of their stuff, and yeah. Now this yeah. is that main performance PC that's having these sales. Yep. 
Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. It was a Budo length I brought up. That was actually one of their um, well, that's rigs the that they were 40% yeah, off. Yeah, is yeah. what's on sale at Main Performance PC. Yeah, so that's even better. So, yeah, that do your money. It's freaking awesome. Yep. And pick up but a rig. They and got that, a lot of stuff. Uh, but, yeah, it's basically the accessories. I have all the accessories, so I don't have anything I need to get. And there's yeah. nothing. I you don't think the there's holder? anything. I have the cup holder, yeah. <laughs> like I said I don't think there's any, I don't think there's anything that they make that you can go wrong with. I mean, all their stuff is solid, and so you're just getting awesome stuff cheaper from a good dude. So I don't have the flight stick mount accessory because I don't uh, do any flying. But that, that was my next ask. And I, and I don't have the 5.1 speaker mount accessory. I th- I don't like that because the speakers are just too close to your head. It's just not a good design. I like I put my speakers are right behind my head like that on mine, and all right, uh, it sounds pretty good. All right, we're running out of time. Let's jump to results. Uh, let's talk uh, the finish of last week. I got a P twenty. Uh, some guy got to my outside, made it three wide. I net coded with him and wrecked. Uh, more bad luck. Uh, Brent McCoy got a P two. Nice run for him. Uh, he couldn't pass P one for the win, but was uh, right there. And then Friday open, uh, Chris, you got a P24 where you stayed out on old tires to gain track position. Oh, man. Yeah, that was that was so stupid. I, I wrecked um, my teammate, Tony Rochette, almost took out Brent and uh, wrecked two other guys in an NIS race. And that's what happened. I, I was playing the you know, run the back strategy, uh, wait for stuff to kind of sort itself out. And we had a, a short run, I think like four or five laps. And I stayed out to gain a bunch of track position, which was fine. I wasn't, um, you know, fall off wise. I was going to lose a few spots, but I wasn't going to wreck anybody except for I just completely spaced out when we went, took the green and went into turn one like I had fresh tires and just stuck it right into the wall and bounced off and came back and took off, took out another guy and, and, uh, Poor Tony just, like, T-boned that dude right in the door. Ouch. Yeah, he's got some bad luck. He also got a P29. Tony did a Saturday fixed on the morning uh, race. Uh, then Sunday open. Uh, Tony, you got P23. Nothing to report. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think P23 says enough. Um, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I really don't remember much of the race, so it can't be all that interesting so yeah nothing to report i sucked <laughs> and greg uh, probably similar result for you yeah i had a p25 that was the one where i kept talking to you guys about uh, i was eight laps down because of something that happened to my computer and i almost got most of the laps back um oh. the other one we missed uh Moorley won friday night's open race as oh, well yeah, yeah congrats he, to him yeah he He's he worked hard on that Kansas setup. He loves that track. He has four wins this year at Kansas. Yeah, I was gonna say his set too. That's what made some of the it make it, it makes it gets you twice as frustrated when you screw up like I did, or you just have a bad race get caught up in somebody else's stuff when you have a really good setup under you. But yeah, he put a lot of time into it. It was awesome. The car was fast. Yeah, it was. Because I know on that Sunday race, I when I hit, went that those laps down, when I was under one of the cautions, I was had to go to the back of the field, and I was able to drive through the field almost every time that um, we went back green for long periods of time. And Morley's running like first, second split now too, so these wins. I mean, he's not 
down to my splits, whooping our ass like he was last time we were at Kansas. He's winning in the the against the better guys. Yeah, Sunday fixed. I ran. I got a P seven. I actually ran back half of the top ten all night. It was so hard to pass that I was actually able to keep my track position even though I was slower. Um, you know, if you run consistent fast laps on the top. You have to be really be pretty damn good to get around on the bottom. Um, so you can keep your track position. I did pretty good that day. Uh, let's move on to Martinsville. Uh, yesterday, P fi- uh, fixed. I got P12. Got ran over uh, and spun not once but twice. I didn't really have any damage, though. But it was a good run, P12. I'll take it. Uh, Tony Rochette uh, ran P10. He had problems with his brakes. Uh, he had what he called his super speedway configuration where he uh, it doesn't ever go to 100%. It only goes to 80%, and it kind of messed him up. He also had some black flags, uh, and that was a bad deal for him. Uh, last night, we don't have any results listed. Uh, and then today, we ran the open. I got P15 top split. Uh, I got turned on the straight, uh, four, four minutes, 30 seconds optional. I got about half of it fixed because there were so many cautions. Uh, I did fight really hard at the end for a P15 and top split, so I'll take it. And then Tony Rochette got the best result, P8. Uh, he did survive some wrecks, uh, was down some RPMs, but uh, kept it on the lead lap. Yeah, I got to run that race with Tony, and and the racing has, this week has started out to be super freaking terrible. Hopefully it gets cleaned up by this weekend, and sometimes it does. Sometimes guys get tired of wrecking, and we have some cleaner racing, but it's just been caution fest. I just, I just play like car pinball today in my race. Yep. Uh, half the race under caution, basically. Um, so, All right, let's talk a world championship because the season's wrapped up, and we haven't covered this very well, but let's go through it. Uh, Formula One Grand Prix. Martin Kronke wins uh, his third championship in a row. Okay, so he won it. Uh, Mitch, uh, Mitchell DeJong finished second, and Mac Backham was third. And so you're going to hear multiple names from multiple different kinds of championships, so don't get confused. Let's go to Peak. Boy, we had a nice pre- preview video about Homestead uh, with the four, you know, going for the championship. They're, they're trying to hype up the race. Uh, they even had uh, Executive Vice President Steve O'Donnell from NASCAR on the on the broadcast for the peak race, talking about uh, using iRacing as a training tool, and iRacing is where uh, you know the, in the future people will be entering the sport. And he talked about how long you know the ten year history of NASCAR and iRacing have been together for a long time, and blah blah blah, and uh, lots of good things to hear from one of the top guys at NASCAR uh, again talking up iRacing. So pretty cool. Uh, as far as the the win, Ray Alfala wins it. He holds off Ryan Lusa for his fourth championship. He gets the top prize of ten grand, a NASCAR championship ring and trophy, and a trip to Homestead to collect his uh, his winnings. I watched the last part of this race. I don't know if you guys saw it, but uh, they had green flag stops. Uh, Ryan was leading before the stops, but was second after the stops. And so uh, Ray actually beat him on pit road for this win. It, I'm going to, I still have yet to watch this race this week, but uh, 
congrats to uh, Ray Alfala. They ran four championships in, what, eight or nine years of running it? Well, you can't say that anyone has won more than him. That's for sure. He's definitely the the Jimmy Johnson of iRacing. <laughs> the, the king, the intimidator. But, uh, yeah, congrats to Ray. I mean, lots of NASCAR media. It was on NASCAR.com. Uh, they were Twittering about it midweek and uh, putting it on the front page of NASCAR and um, lots of press for, about this race. And so I'm really pleased that NASCAR is doing everything they can to help promote it. It seems like they are. And I saw him tweet out or put on his Facebook page about saying about um, the details in his race. And he qualified ninth, and he, he said that he wished he – uh, had qualified better too and i was like well you still got a top you know he started pretty good yeah so conti uh, mike conti who was on the podcast recently he finished third he was right there he but he was about four seconds back after those stops ryan and and ray were right next to each other i mean on the final lap too ryan Luza, he did drive it in really hard to try to kind of get to ray's bumper but didn't quite get there um, so, but it was good racing. I, I was, I enjoyed watching it. All right, let's keep moving. World of Outlaws. Congrats to Zach Leonardi, Leon Hardy. Zach wins the inaugural World of Outlaws Craftsman Late Model Championship, and he wins ten grand in cash and prizes. And then also congratulations to Tim Ryan from Australia for being the inaugural World of Outlaws Craftsman Sprint Car Championship Series champion. And, uh, wow. And so the season's really coming to an end, guys, with all this stuff being over. Ooh. Let's go into final thoughts. Chris Scales, what do you got? Um, Actually, real quick, I want to make everybody aware of... Uh, I just got this email the other day, and I meant to put it in the script... I'm sure we'll talk about it next week, but iRacing, not this weekend, but coming weekend, uh, I believe it's November 3rd, is the iRacing World Cup, I think the 10th annual. Um, and this year, I think they're doing trucks at Michigan, so that's gonna that's kind of my speed. But uh, like I said, it's coming up here in a couple weekends, so I just kind of want to make everybody aware. Check it out if you think about running it, because it's going to be kind of a late heads up by the next podcast. Yep, everyone forgets about that race, so... Uh... Thanks for remembering. Uh, Greg Hectus, final thought. I'm looking forward to getting to the weekend here. I haven't raced at all. This is the first time I've turned my PC on all week. Um, started a new job, and I've gone from days to nights. So trying to switch my body, or sorry, from nights to days. And see, I can't even get that right. Um, <laughs> and I'm trying to get my body ac accommodated to it, plus drive a transport truck every day. So it's kind of... Um, it's kind of been tough, but uh, I hopefully I'll get some stuff uh, raced in this weekend now that I have weekends off. Yep, go get that Martinsville. All right, Mason Stiver, thank you for uh, coming on the podcast. Thanks for being on the team. What are your final thoughts? Yeah, I'm just glad to be uh, with you guys now. I hope I can help out and, and definitely help with the podcast. And uh, looking forward to getting my PC up and running here. I had a couple issues, but... Uh, Get running at Martinsville this week. All right, cool. Thank you. And Tony Groves, final thought. 
Yeah, so I don't have much to talk about uh, Martinsville. I, I did try to do some practice last night, but and I was just having a heck of a time. I, I, I couldn't stop from locking up my brakes. I'm like, eh, I'm not doing this. I'm just going to kill myself and probably take a bunch of other people out. So I sat it out. I'm not sure if I'm going to actually uh, make a start this week. I'm kind of undecided at this point. But uh, um, I got to throw a big shout out to my, my wonderful wife with a given me an early birthday present i have on order a new video card so i my 1050 is just not um up to task at running my the triples and stuff so i upgraded to a 1070 ti and uh i'm really looking forward to that and hopefully uh i'm gonna start doing some streaming nice yep everyone's wanting new stuff uh, i me included uh my final thought is just that, man, I'm building a new computer. I'm, I'm buying every, I'm not just buying the card like Tony is. I'm buying everything and building it completely from scratch, a whole new case and everything. So i very, very excited about that. I got the case waiting for everything else and uh, we'll see how that goes. I'm not in a big hurry, but should be fun. So uh, I will post up my uh, documentation about the uh, build on the Tafosi Racing Facebook page. So make sure you guys follow and subscribe uh, so you can see what the results are. So with that, we'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.